live studio audience. Coming to you dead in front of a dead studio audience. 31 days, 31 podcasts. It's Helpful Snowman Potoween 2023. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to, as we've just heard, and you'll get to hear 30 more fucking times, <laughs> Helpful Snowman Potoween 2023. <laughs> uh... So this year, you know, we, we've been doing themes the last several years because, uh, mostly because I do fucked up stories, but then the problem is I, uh, kind of forgot which things I've covered and which I haven't. And, uh, yeah, it doesn't really stop me from doing other topics, you know, on repeat, but, uh, yeah, whatever. I, I decided to, uh, do topics. Last year... I was going to do this thing where I tried to start a bunch of my own urban legends, but then I decided that that wasn't right for the podcast. Cause I was like, the beauty of starting your own urban legends has to be that you, uh, don't tell anyone. Right. And, uh, if I, if I revealed that I had done it, I'm trying to think of something like this, you know, but I guess any, if you look at any sort of urban legend type thing, it's ruined when the person comes out and takes credit for it, right? Um, so I didn't, I was like, I, I got to figure out a different way to do that. Um, and I still haven't. So what we're doing this year is Halloween specials from television. Um, TV, as some of you call it. And um, so each, each day we're going to talk about a different Halloween special. And... Uh, that's basically it, you know, but some of them have little extras. Some of them have uh, other things that go along with them. And, but, you know, I'm just going to basically we'll go through this and, you know, talk about what what they meant to me or. Oh, my Lord. What they meant to us, <laughs> excuse me, what they meant to other people, you know, things like this, because, uh, you know, that's kind of how we roll over here. And uh, also because there are so many great Halloween specials, and I thought, you know, watching these, it's like gets you in the mood for Halloween. Now, a lot of these are available online uh, in various spots for stealing. Some of them are available for purchase. Some of them aren't, uh, you know, because it's like, well, they're just not. I don't know. So, you know, uh, if if any of these sound great to you, um, I encourage you to go out and get them by the most legalist means necessary. Maybe not the most legalist means, the means that may potentially result in, you know, a small financial bump for the people who put time and energy into them. All right. So day one, we're starting with the Halloween that almost wasn't the awkward title that totally was. So this is a monster special. It aired on Disney every Halloween from 1983 to 1996, which is a pretty damn good run. I think what happened based on some of the other stuff we're going to watch is probably by 1996, I think Disney had its kind of own stable of Halloween episodes, Halloween shows, original programming, and 
to be honest, uh, the Halloween that almost wasn't was probably more than a little dated by 1996. Um, and I'm not sure as a kid who grew up in, you know, it basically went from my birth until I was 13. And I think I would have probably found the Halloween that almost wasn't very engaging and interesting as a small child, maybe even a little scary because it has monsters in it. But by the time I was 13, I'd be like, this is a piece of shit. What is this? Um, it was also, uh, well, okay, it originally aired on ABC October 28th, 1979, which I like because they aired it close to Halloween. And this was something that TV specials understood that movie makers took forever, and I'm not sure still understand. Like, I swear half the success of the Saw franchise is that it was released around Halloween. You know what I mean? It's like, finally, somebody was like, hey, I have an idea. What if we put a scary movie out, like, around Halloween every year? And it totally worked for me, because you'd go to the theater, you'd be like, I want to go see a scary movie. It's Halloween time. It's fall. And it's like, well... Go. I guess you're seeing Saw. I guess I'm going to go see Saw. I know I saw at least one of the Saw movies under those very circumstances. Because I was like, whatever's scary at the theater, that's what I'm going to. And I was like, what is this, Saw 4, 5? All right, fine. I walked out very bewildered. Uh, because after about Saw 3, things get pretty... Uh, the lore gets a little complicated. I would have expected it to get this complicated, but man, it gets complicated. Um, so anyway, I, I like that that happened, that this aired close to Halloween. It's got very Halloween vibes. It was also re-released as The Night Dracula Saved the World, which is a little bit of a dramatic title because, uh, you know, say he didn't really save the world, but he did save Halloween, which is an important aspect of the world. Did do we really want to live in a world without Halloween? I say no. So, you know, for me, the title works, but your mileage may vary on whether or not Dracula saved the world. Here's the basic plot. You've got all the monsters. You've got, like, a mummy, a Frankenstein. By the way, throughout this entire month, we're going to be calling Frankenstein the monster Frankenstein, unless... There's a specific reason, you know, another character, unless there's a Dr. Frankenstein in the thing and the monster's not called Frankenstein. But, you know, I, I have a couple opinions on this. One is the real monster is not the monster, nor is it Dr. Frankenstein. It's the people who bother people with the information that the monster is not named Frankenstein. Part two, I would consider it a fatherhood parable. And, you know, it's uh, maybe maybe it's the first book about a dad who realizes he's been a horrible absentee father and he's unleashed something bad on the world. <laughs> um, and he tries to he tries to curtail that, but maybe it's too late. And um, but by that logic, Frankenstein, the creature's last name would also be Frankenstein. I, I consider him his son. I consider a ghost that I bought at the Spirit of Halloween store. Uh, is it Spirit of Halloween or just Spirit Hall? Doesn't matter. I consider that ghost to be my son. So, and all I did was buy him and put him up in the garage so that when Poonmaster Flex came home, the ghost went back and forth and made noise. And he goes back and forth for way too long, which is perfect. Um, 
So the basic plot is all these monsters get together because the witch in this universe, the witch has to fly over the moon to make it Halloween for some reason. I don't I don't know if I missed it or something like that. Um, but that's just or if that's like some old tradition that I'm not aware of, of like it's not Halloween until a witch flies over the moon. Because I'm like, I mean, it's not Halloween until I eat a Reese's and have to take a, a horrible dump as a result. That's kind of my, it's not Halloween until eat one of those Reese's pumpkins. And I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm almost 40 years old. I know damn well what the end result's going to be here. And I do it anyway. And, you know, it's not Halloween until Peter takes a dump. That's going to be the, like, unofficial sequel to the Halloween that almost wasn't. I guess they'd have to call it, though, like, the Halloween that was totally going to happen, even though, you know, Peter's insides were screaming, no, please stop. Little cumbersome title, but not really that much worse. The Halloween that almost wasn't. Uh, so the witch has to fly over the moon before it's like officially Halloween. So all the monsters are getting together and the witch is refusing to fly over the moon until she's made the co-chair of Halloween. Because Dracula is like the, the head of Halloween for some reason. Um, so she wants to be made the co-chair. Uh, and then she also wants to be on all the Transylvania merchandise instead of Dracula. So apparently Dracula's on all the, like, visit Transylvania t-shirts and shit. I don't know. They don't really show the merchandise, but that's what she says. Um, the first demand I'm okay with. It seems reasonable to me. Because I'm like, well, yeah, I guess if she has to fly over the moon. It doesn't seem that any of these monsters have any particular. It's not like they all have to do a thing. The witch seems to be the only one with a high-level responsibility here. The other ones just kind of show up and Halloween just fucking happens, I guess. Um, but the other the other one that the witch demands she be on the Transylvania merchandise, that one I'm not so hot on. Because I'm like, that's like having fucking Bugs Bunny on the Disneyland merchandise. That makes no sense. Dracula is Transylvania. Transylvania is Dracula. Now, maybe in this world, the witch also lives in Transylvania. That's not super clear. It doesn't seem like she does, but I suppose it's possible. But I, I personally am like, Massachusetts kind of seems like witch territory. Which, by the way, they need to have like a women's basketball or hockey team or something that's like the witches. Also, if you go to my website, HelpfulSnowman.com, and click on merchandising, I made an excellent sticker or t-shirt, or I think you can get a bunch of different stuff, of Hot Girl Summer 14 whatever, and it's a witch burning at the stake. <laughs> uh, I both love this and think it's in poor taste. So, you know, don't, t don't tell me how you think it's in poor taste. I know it's in poor taste. I, I embrace it. So anyway, I think this, I think that's a pretty unreasonable demand. I think being made the co-chair of Halloween is fine. But being on all the merch seems a lot. Um, so then most of the movie is about Dracula kind of trying to force her or trick her into flying over the moon or something. Um, but he he's not successful. And then she kind of gets pissed off because he doesn't, you know, just go with what she asks. So then she adds to her list of demands, disco dancing every night. That, you know, she has, she and him, he has to go disco dancing with her every single night. Now, this movie came out uh, about a year and a half after Saturday Night Fever. So I guess that makes sense in a, like, uh, you know, 
what kind of things can we put on television kind of realm? Or maybe like, what kind of shit do we have in the in the closet over here? Do we have like some, uh, I don't know, uh, sketch comedy? Everybody's probably got like a John Travolta suit or something like that. So anyway, um, The Witch, and it also, this, this movie kind of has, I keep calling it a movie, but it has like a, a vibe of, I remember reading Mad Magazine as a kid, and it was always weird because the the jokes were adult a lot of times. And I don't mean adult as in, like, sex stuff. I just mean it was, like, political stuff or things things that would, like, sort of, I think, aggravate an adult would make its way into Mad Magazine that a kid has no fucking idea about. You know what I mean? Like, jokes about what happens when you take your car to the mechanic. And it was always weird because I was like, I think most of the readers of Mad Magazine are probably kids, but this seems to be things that are like of adult interest. It never really made sense, but that's fine. Things don't have to make sense. But this does still have that vibe where it's almost like, you know, they weren't making as much comedy for kids yet. And it was more like, you know, kids just have to sort of deal with what adult comedy is, I guess. Um, So then the witch is like, not going to budge. It's not going to be Halloween. And then some kids show up and they're dressed in costume and one of them's dressed like a witch. So the witch is like, oh my God, you really do love me. You know, like the people care and they care about how, so Halloween's not going to happen if she doesn't fly over the moon. Right. But then she sees this little witch and it's like the magic of a child's love saves Halloween or some shit. And it's not like overwrought, but you know, I was like, okay, like whatever. Because, I mean, I, I guess, you know, <laughs> I, I would have, I was hoping for some kind of, I don't know, um, like the witch would, I don't know, eat a kid or something. That would have been a funny ending, in my opinion. Like, no, not in my opinion. That would have been a funny ending if it had been like, you know, uh, these kids show up and she's like, oh, my God, this child's dressed just like me. And then she ate the child and was like, okay. I'll fly over the moon, you know. Turns out I was just hungry and being a jerk. Um, it does kind of like, you know, it falls into that Nightmare Before Christmas. Is that a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie debate? And, you know, I always say that that movie is a Christmas movie because I think, like, the overall tone of it, but also the message feels like Christmas to me. Because the message of Nightmare Before Christmas is kind of like, you do you, man. Like, be happy with what your life is or something. I don't know exactly. But, you know, kind of in that that realm. And I, I kind of feel like that about the Halloween that almost wasn't. I was like, this is almost like Christmas special because the, you know, the answer is in the eyes of a child lie the answer to our problems or something. <laughs> um. Well, you know, I usually try and say something... Or talk about something terrible in the first episode of Potaween, just to t- potentially turn off any new listeners to this show, because that's how we roll here. Um, so, at the risk of saying that a Jewish person made a good Dracula, uh, you know, because there are lots of theories and thoughts about how Dracula or vampires in general are kind of like Jewish caricatures into monsters. So, at the risk of saying that, Judd Hirsch plays a pretty great Dracula in this movie. I found him very entertaining, and also he was very, like, believable as Dracula. 
But he's, uh, you know, I was looking him up and he's got like a very smoldery Wikipedia picture. And I think that I think that was kind of the element to me that like sold me on him as Dracula. Because I think Dracula, you kind of have to watch a Dracula movie and be like, this Dracula fucks. That's kind of the big question of every Dracula. You know, you watch Bram Stoker's Dracula and you're like, that Dracula fucks. You watch Twilight, you're like, that Dracula fucks. You watch uh, Nosferatu, and you're like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> not so much. Uh, it would be my preference that he did not. Christopher Lee, yeah, probably. Those seemed like pretty horny movies. So it does it does answer that question. I would definitely say this Dracula fucks. Um, also, Judd Hirsch was only 44 at the time this was filmed, and I was like, he seems like he's older. But I was like, knowing that he's still, I think he's still working and stuff. So I was like, he can't have been that old. And uh, so that made me very old, feel old, because he's 44 and he seems like ancient, you know, in this movie. Um, by design, of course. So, ouch, Judd Hirsch, you wound me, sir. Um, so anyway, at the end... The witch agrees to fly over the moon because uh, Judd Hirsch, Dracula, also agrees to all the witch's demands. And the end of it is like a disco dancing, you know, Saturday Night Fever ripoff. She's like in his castle and she takes off all her witch crap and she's like a total babe. And Dracula is like in his cape, but then he like throws his cape back and it's like a disco cape. And he's got like a white, you know, leisure suit underneath and they disco dance. And you're like, eh, okay. Um, and it's got a pretty, it's actually got a pretty solid song at the end as well. So that that's fun. Um, the Witch is played by someone named Mariette Hartley. Uh, and her grandfather pioneered behaviorism, which is like some version of psychology. And she claims it fucked her up pretty bad. Um, also, I looked up her Wikipedia and there was some pretty funny stuff on there. Uh, if you know anything about her, you're probably like, is he about to laugh at her being bipolar? And I'm not. Uh, here we go. Advertising. In the late 1970s and early 80s, Hartley appeared with James Garner in a popular series of television commercials for Polaroid. The two actors had such natural on-screen chemistry that many viewers erroneously believed they were married in real life. Hartley's 1990 biography indicates that she began to wear a t-shirt printed with the phrase, I am not Mrs. James Garner. Um, she also went as far to have a shirt made for her infant son reading, I am not James Garner's child. And even one for her husband, I am not James Garner. James Garner's actual wife then jokingly had a t-shirt printed with, I am Mrs. James Garner. <laughs> um... Anyway, I found, I found that very entertaining, especially because, like, in the, you know, 70s and 80s. Like, it's not like today where any idiot like me can just have, you know, some stupid hot girl summer witch t-shirt printed up on demand. And I can, I can make a design and order it, you know, within 10 minutes if I wanted to, right? And it'll show up in a couple weeks. It's like, back then, it seems like you had to do a lot more. So, you know, having, having a t-shirt as a fuck you to people was a real baller move. And I'm kind of sad that, you know, it's not as much of a baller. I'm happy that I can make them easily, but I'm sad that it's not like as big a fuck you. 
you know, it's like we've we've had to abandon the size of the fuck you in order for the accessibility. So you get it's a mixed bag. Anyway, um, overall, I think this is like a special that sort of represents something that's lost in the modern era around holidays. Any kind of holiday. Um, it, it probably Christmas suffers from this the most. But, you know, I think Halloween is also a close second. And what it is, is it's like back in the day, the holiday specials would air once a year and then it was gone. Right. And there's probably a lot of kids who watch this thing uh, once or twice or they caught part of it or like maybe they watched it every year, but they never saw the entire thing or some shit. And so, you know, they and they'd wait till the next year. And I'm not saying, like, what we've lost is the sort of, like, oh, kids can get whatever they want at the push of a button or something. I think the advantage of this is it's, like, it's 20 minutes out of an entire year. And that means it doesn't have to be a 10 out of 10. Because something about it just being scarce makes it more valuable. It's like whenever you're thinking about collectibles, the, the factors of collectability are scarcity and people want it. You know, and if you don't have both of those things, the thing's really not valuable. And so now it's like uh, something like this is not scarce, right? It's easy to find. And so I think that removes a lot of the the magic of it to get real, real fucking corny. But, you know, I, I think there's something like there's something to it. Um, maybe it'd take you like four years of trying to see it or you'd never actually see the beginning. Like the first time I actually sat down and watched the movie Tremors on DVD, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen the first 20 minutes of this movie. I was like, the part pre-Tremor, I don't know if I've ever seen. I've seen it a hundred times on like USA or TNT or something, but eventually I sat down and saw the whole thing. And I'm sure there are many people who had that experience with this movie. And I don't know, I think that's like the push-pull of streaming, right? Like, on the one hand... Today, we're like, why is there fucking Christmas shit in the store in October? But on the other hand, I think we'd be unhappy if, like, uh, Spotify was like, we're not going to have Christmas music up in any time until, you know, Black Friday. So, you know what I mean? There's, like, a little bit of both. So, maybe it's, like, it's not that I think it's, like, the kids are ruined. I think it's just, like, these yearly events used to give, like, structure or time passing to our life or something like that. Like you would watch something like this and then uh, maybe you'd be thinking about like, oh, what was I doing last year when I watched this? Or maybe you would tape it and then you'd have these commercials that you're like, oh yeah, that's what they, you know, what kind of shit they had last Halloween. So, you know, I think it's, um, is Halloween special when it's all the time? You know, is what's what are the limits for Halloween? Like, how far can we push it? How much Halloween can we experience before it loses what's special? And look at this. We're doing Halloween specials. I just use the word special a bunch. God, I'm good. <laughs>